Hello, and welcome to the Pathway Podcast. Our mission is to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Pathway. It's so good to see you, man. Isn't God good? Man, that's awesome. This is so exciting, man, just like what God is doing here, as we've been saying, we just sang about revival. It's not coming, it's here. It's in Theater 5 at AMC. Man, it's awesome to see what God is doing. As we say again, we got t-shirts that say that God is moving here, and he is. There is no other place that I would want to be, you would need to be, than right here every Sunday, 1030, Theater 5, AMC, Yukon. This is the place where God is at, and so, man, we are just so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming today, and we just want to continue this celebration of what God is doing from Baptism Sunday. Wasn't that awesome, baptisms? I love Baptism Sunday. That is truly like that, and baby dedicated, like my favorite days. I love baptisms. So listen, when you see those amazing young women, would you just like give them a hug or a high five and just say, that's awesome. That is a a huge moment in their life that they will never forget, and we should celebrate that. And so, man, we encourage you to do that. We're just going to continue what God is doing in the the power and the momentum of, of worship on in today. If you're new, welcome. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor, and our goal is this. We want to help you know God because Because we believe when you know God, not just know about him, but know him personally, it changes everything in your life. And so that's what we're all about. So again, thank you so much for coming. This is just a great day. And what we've been doing all summer, we do this every summer at Pathway. We go through the whole Bible and we look at some of the most famous stories in the Bible. Some of these stories, maybe you heard as a kid, maybe you, like this is your first time in church and welcome because we are the place for you. We did all this just for you. So we're glad you're here. But maybe like you, you weren't raised in church, but you've heard some of these things alluded to. Some of them have been made into blockbuster movies, and, and uh, we've been kind of looking at all of them. Today, we're going to look at what I think is maybe the most famous story in the entire Bible besides the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, it's the story of a teenage boy, about 15, 17 years old, named David, who kills a literal warrior giant over nine feet tall named Goliath. This is a real event that actually happened, um, and, and so we're going to look at that just a little closer on some elements. And, and just by the way, it's in the Old Testament of the Bible. So the Bible has New and Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it's in a book called First Samuel. And Samuel was a, a prophet or kind of like a pastor sort of a thing uh, for God. And, and, uh, and it takes place in First Samuel chapter 17. Now here's the deal. It's the entire chapter. If we had time, I'd read the whole thing. We'd be here till about 2.30. Um, but so I'm just going to keep it short, and I'm just going to look at some of the highlights. By the way, this is one of those uh, parts of the Bible that, honestly, we could be talking about over the next three weeks. There's so much in here to unpack. And so I'm just going to try to get what I think are the, the biggest points that we can. But there's so many other things in there as well. But so I'm just going to summarize the story very quickly, and then we'll look at some of the verses that go with it. But what happens is the nation of Israel, we have a map, and we'll put that up there, and you can look at this map. The nation of Israel, the Jewish people, are going to war against a group, their arch enemy called the Philistines. And if you've been with us, you know that, that we started, uh, when we started this series, and we kind of looking at what God's doing in the Bible, and God rescued the Jewish people out of Egypt and slavery for 400 years. He used a guy named Moses to do it. They came to the Red Sea, and God parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. We talked about that. Then the same group of people, 40 years later, they're going to conquer the land that God was going to give them, the, the modern-day Israel, and the promised land the Bible calls it, land of Canaan. It's all the same area. And the first city they come to, we, we looked at this in Joshua chapter. 
chapter 6 a few weeks ago where they had this massive city of Jericho and they worship brought the walls down of Jericho. What you were doing a while ago, worship is bringing the walls down of the enemy in our lives and in this city. And, and we talked about that. Then last week we talked about kind of uh, about a decade or, or, or about 100 years after that, that what Israel it said had no king, they had no government, they had no leader, they had no president. And so God would raise up judges, men and women that would be leaders of the people, but they had no central government. It was total chaos. It was like the Wild West. And then finally, the people say, hey, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. And God says, but I'm your king. And they say, yeah, we know, but we want a physical king that we can see, that we can talk to. And God warns them against that. It's not a smart move. And, you know, you, you don't pay taxes right now. You're going to pay taxes. And, and you don't have a military now. He's going to take all your sons and send them off to war. And they want it anyway, so they get a king. They had a king named Saul. Saul started off good. He ended up really bad. So the Saul and the army, the Israeli army, the Jewish people, are all lined up on this one hill. And you can see it on the map. They're all lined up on this one hill. The Philistines, their enemy, live in modern-day Gaza. And, 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 and when you see on the news that the Jewish people and the Israeli people are fighting, nothing new. It's been happening for thousands of years. And in Gaza, the Philistines have come and they marched. And it's, it takes place. It's called the Valley of Elah. Now, here's why this is important. Because if the Philistines can control this valley, they are really in the enemy, or they are in the, the Jewish territory. They are really in the heart of the Jewish people, of, of the people of God. So this is kind of like their Alamo for the Israeli army. Like, they know we have to have a last stand here. We can't let the enemy come any farther. But what happens is for 40 days, they just stand off on, this, on these two mountainsides with the valley below. And any military tactician will tell you that, you know, you don't want to attack an opposing army uphill, right? Because they have the advantage of firing at you downhill. So they're at a true standoff. And it says for 40 days, and, and then the Philistine had their champion warrior. This dude was like MMA, WWE, SEAL Team 6, Marine, like all of it rolled into one. He's over nine feet tall, has the latest and greatest military hardware and tech. His name was Goliath. He was literally a giant. He walks out, and he says, I'll tell you what. He's shouting at the whole Israeli camp. Listen, if you will send your best warrior to come out and fight me, if I win, then the, then the war is over and all of you will be our slaves. But if we fight and he wins and I lose, then all my people and my army will be your slaves. And they all agree to that. The problem is the Jewish side had no one strong enough, the Bible says, to be able to fight Goliath. And it says for 40 days, they were literally shaking in their boot. They're scared to death of Goliath. They know this is a battle we can't win. No matter what we do, we can't beat Goliath. It's impossible. While this is taking place, there's a teenage boy, 15, about years old, named David. And he is the youngest of six sons, the youngest of seven sons. He's got six older brothers. And one day, he's a, he's a shepherd. He's not old enough to be in the army. He's taking care of his dad's business of, of sheep. And his dad says, hey, take some food to your brothers on the front lines because all of them had been recruited to fight in the army. So David takes them some bread to his brothers. When he gets there, instead of thinking, you know, their younger brother, they, they ridicule him. They, you know, give him a wedgie and, and give him a swirly, you know, like big brothers do. And they really give him a hard time. And as they're kind of making fun of David... All of a sudden, David hears in the distance the thunderous voice of Goliath. And Goliath every day would make fun of God, the God of the Bible. He would mock God. He would mock the Jewish people in the army and make fun of them. And David said, what's that? And they said, man, it's this giant Goliath. Nobody can fight him. Nobody's strong enough to fight him. And David says, well, I'll do it. And they all laugh. And he says, no, I'm serious. I'll do it. 
word gets up to the king, King Saul, and, and, and David has this exchange with Saul, and David says, look, man, with God's help, I've been able to kill a bear and a lion, and, and, and that's nothing, this giant, I can take it. And Saul says, there's no way, and David says, no, God's got this, trust me. So Saul says, well, put on my armor. Put on the, the latest and the greatest military hardware we have, wear it. And David tries, and he can't. It's too big for him. And so then David goes to the, to the creek, and he grabs five small stones, puts them in his bag. He goes out, and the Bible makes a very distinct point of talking about all the armor that this guy Goliath had versus David, who had nothing but a slingshot. David marches out on the battlefield. Goliath marches out as well. Goliath the whole time is just mocking David. He's making fun of God. I mean, and David's like, listen, Goliath, you can make fun of me all day. You can even make fun of where I live. You can even make fun of my mama. But don't you dare make fun of my God because them are fighting words. And so David takes his slingshot out, and he throws it in the air, and he lets go. And the slingshot, by the way, could go about 60 miles an hour. And it says it comes and hits Goliath right in the forehead. It sinks into his skull knocks him down, David takes his sword of Goliath out and cuts his head off, and the Jewish people win. That's the summary in chapter 17. There's some details in there, but that's the big picture. There's three main lessons when we look at this that I think are so important, and I think here's the first one, the physical lesson. I think there's a couple of lessons. The physical lesson is this, and look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. David's talking to King Saul. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, because he has defiled the armies of the God of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. In other words, what David is really saying here is, hey, King Saul, look, I am prepared for this moment. I didn't know it at the time. At the time, I was taking care of my father's business, his sheep, and, and a lion would come and threaten the sheep, and so I would kill the lion. And then a bear would come, and I would kill the bear. And now, at that time, it was a challenge. And at that time, to be honest, I was a little scared and nervous. But now I can look back and say the challenges of my past, God was using to prepare me for the battles of today. You need to know that the challenges that you faced in your past, instead of saying, man, I don't like this and this was hard, instead start saying like David, actually those challenges were a blessing that God was using to prepare me to kill some giants today in my life. God will not waste your past. There's purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your past. And instead of getting bitter, realize God was making me better and preparing me for today. I mean, I love that attitude that David has. I mean, he just has this confidence like, hey, look, if I can kill a bear and I can kill a lion, it's nothing for this pagan Philistine. God's preparing me. The other thing that I love is, is that David, while no one else is looking at him, no one else is paying attention because he's, he's the youngest. And, and I, I know what it's like to be the young. I'm the youngest of five, so I, he's got one more sibling than I do. But I know what that's like. And, and everybody else, and you get a Thanksgiving, and they're all, like, successful and great. And then here you are, like the runt of the litter, right? Like, I've been there. I relate to all my, all my youngest siblings out there, the babies of the family. And, and David, no one else is paying attention to him. His brothers are out collecting medals and fighting war and being courageous and, and having their names on magazine covers and, and, and thousands of followers on social media because they're ripped and they, they just fight battles. And, but yet nobody follows David. He's like me on social. He has like two followers, his mom and his wife. And like that's it. And, he, and he's, 
and he's out and, and he's taking care of his sheep. Nobody's paying attention to him. But while no one was paying attention to him, God was preparing him. You might be at a place where you feel like no one sees you. No one sees you as a single mom taking care of your kids, but God does and your kids do. You might feel like nobody sees you getting up at 5 a.m. spending time with God in prayer. Nobody sees you staying late at the office working, but God does. Listen, what other people are overlooking, that's the thing that God is focusing on. While other people are out doing other things, God, while no one is looking, is preparing you. I love that about David. And here's the thing, just to be honest. I love this with David, that no, God will not take you to the next level if you can't take it at this level. David, David says this, that, that I couldn't kill Goliath if I couldn't first kill a lion and a bear. Listen, sometimes we complain, like, oh, God, get rid of this problem. God, get rid of this challenge. God, take this away. And God would, would lovingly tell us, look, I, I want to do greater things in your life, but I can't take you to the next level if you can't make it at this level. So instead of viewing this as, oh, God, take this away. God, get me out of here. God, this is hard. Instead, start saying, okay, God, how are you and I going to take care of this? What are you going to do in my life to take care of business? Because, God, I know there's more giants out there. I know there's bigger challenges, but there's bigger rewards. And I'm going to see you move in a bigger way in my life. I love the attitude that David has. Listen, the recipe for killing giants in your life is this. I mean, you could boil this whole story down to two main things. What was David's recipe for success? It's really simple. The first one was God used David's faith. David had the supreme faith in God. I mean, confidence in God. God used that, but in addition to David's faith, God used David's slingshot. Something that was so common, so ordinary, that no one would have thought twice about it. Everybody at that point, they're, they're using the latest, greatest in military hardware. David used something as old-fashioned that was really out of style and out of date as a slingshot. Can I just encourage you and tell you, God really doesn't need a lot to do big miracles in your life and to kill giants in your life. God just needs two things. He needs your faith in him, and then God will use whatever you bring him in your hand. It doesn't matter if you think it's good enough or other people think it's good enough. Just bring him what you have, and God will use it to do miracles in your life. And here, we can prove this because notice this. This, by the way, is a whole mess. We could preach on this next week, but we're not. But notice that David shows up to the battle with what? A slingshot. That's all he had. The clothes on his back and a slingshot. Goliath shows up with all this military hardware, all of his armor. And yet David comes with a slingshot, but he leads with the sword of the enemy. What does that say? Just bring and give God whatever is in your hand. It doesn't have to be a lot. If it's a slingshot, give him the slingshot. And God will say, I'm going to upgrade you from what you gave me. I'm going to do a miracle in your life. You're not leaving with the same equipment you came in because you gave it to me. I upgrade you, and I'm going to let you leave with something greater than you could have ever done on your own. That's the God of the Bible. Here's the there's the next thing, the spiritual lesson. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, this is earlier in his conversation with King Saul. David says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, remember we said in the beginning that for 40 days, it says in the beginning of chapter 17, that for 40 days, the Jewish army, the Israeli army, were scared to death of Goliath. 
you get that even from their king, like King Saul, the guy that's really supposed to lead the charge, you know, leading by example, he's scared himself. There's no way we're going to win this battle. I mean, for 40 days, day after day after day, and, and, and it's, they're getting nowhere. Notice this, that, that for, the, for the rest of the grown adult men in the army on the Jewish side, all those guys are full of fear. Here's the thing about fear. It will make you flee. They wanted to run away. Fear makes you flee. But when David shows up, he has the one thing they don't have, which is faith in God. Faith makes you want to fight. Fear will make you flee from the enemy of your life and challenges of your life. But faith will make you lock in the trenches and fight because God is on your side. The question is, are you full of more fear of the enemy like the army was? The whole army had more fear of Goliath than they had faith in their God you got some fear, you'll never be able to take on the giants in your life. you got to have what David had, and nobody else did faith. Here's the thing, and, and I'll just say this, but everybody in this room has faith. Even atheists, agnostics have faith. We, everybody does. You have faith in the government. You have faith in the economic system. You have faith in your career. You have faith in your education level. You have faith in your spouse. I mean, we all have faith. But the question is, what do you put your faith in that really matters? Here's an example from 1 Samuel 17. The, all the Philistines had a huge amount of faith in one guy, Goliath. The whole Philistine army said, man, we don't have to fight. Goliath's got this. They had faith in Goliath. But then you look at Goliath. He had faith in all of his false gods. And Goliath had faith in himself. I've got this. I'm a warrior. I'm trained. I have the latest and greatest equipment. Nobody's a match for me. He had faith in himself. The whole Israeli army, they, they really didn't have a lot of faith, but what little they did, they kind of had in each other that, man, push comes to shove, I got your back kind of a deal. But David is the only one in all of chapter 17 that it says has clear, solid faith in the God of his father, like the God of the Bible. Everybody has faith. It's, and, and here's a misconception that Christians put out there that is so wrong, and it really, few things really irritate me like this, and this is one of them, when people, especially Christians, say, we don't have enough faith. Well, you just need more faith. Can I tell you, I'll just give you permission to slap them. That's just not true. It's not in the Bible at all. In fact, that goes against word for word what Jesus said. When you read in Matthew in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew is a follower of Jesus. Matthew was there, and Matthew said that Jesus said one time that all you need is the faith of a mustard seed, which is a small amount, and you can say to a mountain, be moved, be uprooted, and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. In other words, it is not the amount of of your faith that matters, it is where you put your faith that matters and can bring down the giants in your life. The Philistines had a huge amount of faith in Goliath, but it didn't matter. Goliath had a huge amount of faith in himself, but it didn't matter. David has some faith in God, and he can bring down not just that giant, but the entire Philistine army. Where are you putting your faith? I mean, we put faith in politics. We can put faith in careers and money and relationships and religion, and it will let you down every time, just like the Philistines. But you just put a little bit of faith in God, you can bring down some giants in your life. Listen, I love, we got to have what David had. I love that this 15-year-old boy had just like, I don't know what to call it other than supreme confidence in God. 
If you remember a few weeks ago on July 4th, you can go to our YouTube page and watch this, but July 4th we talked about Joshua marching around the city of Jericho and the walls falling down. And, and, and it's just like this supreme confidence in God that God is who he said he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do, and I trust him to work in my life. I mean, David as 15 has this attitude. David, in other words, had more faith than the entire army behind him. We got to get to a place in our relationship with God where we don't just have some faith on Sunday morning, but we have supreme, not arrogance, but confidence in God that he is who he said he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. I believe it. And if Jesus said we're going to do greater miracles than he did, I believe it. And, and if the Bible says no weapon formed against me is going to prosper, then I believe it. If the Bible says in Romans 8 that God's going to work all things together for my good, then I believe it. And no demon or devil in hell is going to attack me and win. Just this supreme confidence in God. And, and here's the question. You say, well, that's great, Brenda. How do you get that? Well, the answer is kind of like David. When David's taking care of his sheep, he's not just, you know, twiddling his thumbs and counting sheep. David is spending time with God. And we know that because later he would write songs to God and about God. How do you get to this level like David had of a 15-year-old teenage boy, this supreme confidence in God? How do you do it? By spending time with him. That's, you can come to church all you want, but if you don't spend time with God outside of this room, you'll never get to the level of David. I mean, you can, you can quote the Bible, but if you don't truly intimately spend time with your Father in heaven, it really doesn't matter. How do you get that confidence? Spending time with God daily. And as you spend time with God daily, here's what happens. You begin to know him more. And the more you know God's character and his nature, the more you are able to trust him. And the more you're able to trust him, any giant comes your way. So I don't care if Goliath is 20 feet tall or 50 feet tall or 2 inches tall. It doesn't matter. I've spent some time with my father. I can trust my father. And I've got confidence in him. And God is going to take care of this giant for me. That's how you do it, by spending time with him. And I love this. You never know that your faith as one person cannot change the world around you. Think about this from the big picture spiritually. The faith of one boy, David, affected and got freedom to the entire army and to the entire nation. Can I just say this? I mean, it was amazing earlier that, that we had two teenagers baptized. Can we just give it up for them again? It was so great. That was awesome. And so I just say this to all of our, all of our students in our, in our youth ministry. Don't you dare let anyone, even your parents, tell you you can't make a difference. Yes, you can. You can make a difference in your school. You can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference wherever you go. When you walk with the confidence of God in heaven, you can change your world. David did it. The faith of this one boy changed his entire nation. You can, and I believe you will, and especially being a pathway, you better go and change your world. I believe our city should be changed because of the student ministry here at Pathway. I believe our schools should be changed because of the student ministry here at Pathway. Because we have world changers right here. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. I had somebody last week tell me. I was doing a presentation with some really smart people and, and, and I did it and, and at the end they basically told me I can't do it. I thought, oh, oh no. No, you didn't. You're going to be dead by the time God does it, I believe, in my life because you're kind of old already. But God's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. God, I believe in God. So it's almost like when somebody tells me, and I'm like, oh, well, God's telling me yes, and so we're going to do it. Like, we've got to have that confidence with him. I love this, that David, 
had the, the, that Goliath had physical armor. And it talks about how much his helmet weighed and how much his chest plate weighed, how much his sword and his shield weighed and all this stuff. And it was the best that he had. He had the physical armor. But David, it makes a point, had nothing. He had no armor whatsoever. Can I just say this lovingly as your pastor, that you need to stop fighting some spiritual battles like they're physical battles. The Bible tells us in the New Testament in a letter uh, to some Christians that lived in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, a guy named Paul wrote it to them. And, and he says this in chapter 6, that the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They're spiritual. And so you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting against things that you can't see. Now, look, I'm not saying that there's a demon behind every bush. I'm not saying if you got a flat tire today, that was Satan attacking you. No, no, no. I think we can go to extreme on that. However, it is biblically true and proven. Jesus talked about that. The New Testament talks about that. That there are, the, Satan is very real. Demons are very real. And they will do everything they can to attack you and to destroy you. Here's what happens for a lot of us. That Maybe it's just me and it's time for confession. But but uh, we, we, we're on our way to church. And before we know, we're having a great time. I had a great time last night. We're on our way to church. We start arguing. My wife and I start arguing about nothing. The kids are going crazy. Now we're fighting. And all of a sudden we get to church, and I've got a bad attitude, and I'm grumpy, and I'm complaining. Worship starts, and instead of worshiping God, I'm just kind of singing, you know, a little bit. I'm just kind of saying the words and maybe going through the motions. And, and the whole time I'm distracted. What happened there? I believe Satan um, can, can put that in, in our life and in our family to get me distracted that I have been in God's presence on a day like today, a very powerful way, but yet I missed it completely because I was distracted because I'm thinking I'm fighting my wife and I'm fighting my kids. No, it's something unseen. It's something spiritual. We have to learn that there is a thing of spiritual warfare. You have to stop fighting physical battles as if there's something else. you got to fight them spiritually. I mean, that's the truth. And you say, well, again, Brian, well, how do you do that? That's great advice. How do you do that? Listen, can I just say, as we said this a few weeks ago, your two greatest weapons that you have are prayer and worship. Those are the two greatest weapons that you have. You want to know how to fight the enemy? You want to know how to practice with your slingshot every day to take down the giants? It's spending time with God in prayer. It's turning on the worship music and letting it fill your home, letting it fill your car, letting it fill your heart and your mind and your life. The greatest weapon you have is prayer and worship. That is what brings down the strongholds and the giants and gives you victory in your life. That's how you win spiritual battles. And here's the, the big one is the Jesus lesson. As we said every week, the whole Bible, all of human history, the whole universe is really centered around one person, and that is Jesus. In fact, the New Testament says in 1 Corinthians that if Jesus really didn't die and be raised again, then nothing else matters. And so all of the Bible points to Jesus. He's on every page if you look. And so this is probably my favorite part every week when we, we see Jesus here. And I'll be honest, I grew up, I've heard about the story of David and Goliath a lot, almost all my life, heard about it a lot. And I never quite saw this until about a year ago. I was watching a video that uh, was talking about the story of David and Goliath, and it was in the real setting, the Valley of Elah. There's a really powerful video, and towards the end, they brought some of these things out. And I thought, that's incredible. I never knew that. And so then I kind of, over the last several months, just did a deep dive into all the comparisons of David here and Jesus. And there's about really 10 or 11 of them. There might be more, but, but they're really powerful. The first one, we would just start off and say, 
David, when you really look at it, Jesus is David in the Old Testament. David is a type of Jesus. The first one is that they're both born and, and from the same town of Bethlehem. David and Jesus are both born in Bethlehem. In fact, David would go on to become the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. Both of them, by the way, were anointed to be king. David, in chapter 16, was anointed before he kills Goliath to be the next king of Israel. And isn't it interesting that, listen, I'll just be honest, if I'm, if I'm like 14, 13, 15, and somebody comes and says, you're the next president, oh, it's, it's on. Like, like, all right, bring me some of my favorite food. I'm going to watch my favorite shows. Like, I'm, I'm the king. I'm the president. You do what I say. Isn't it interesting that right after David gets anointed king, he goes back out to take care of his father's business. And as he's taking care of his father's business, he, th- his dad tells him, go and take bread to your brothers who are fighting the battle. David lays aside his kingship and in a way picks up a towel to serve his brother's bread. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus laid aside some of his glory to come down to be a human being, the only of all the religions, the only one, the God that has come down to be a human like us. He laid aside some of his glory and took up a towel to serve us. By the way, in the fourth book of the New Testament called John, who was a follower of Jesus, John said that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. David is serving bread to his hungry brothers. Jesus is bread. But the problem is when David shows up to the battle lines, his brothers ridicule him, they make fun of him, and really they reject him. When Jesus shows up, the Bible tells us he was rejected by his members of his own family and by his own people. Both of them, it says early on, there was no one found who was worthy or strong enough to take on the giant until David showed up. The Bible tells us that no one was found worthy to take on the giant of sin until Jesus shows up. It also tells us this, and I, and I never quite caught this, that it gives the detail of Goliath's armor. And it says that his chest plate had scales on it. In other words, I want you to think about this, and I don't think this is by an accident at all. I don't think this is reading too much into it. I think it's there on purpose. The first time we see Satan, the devil, in the Bible is in the first book of the Bible called Genesis, which means beginnings. And in chapter 3, Satan shows up as a snake. What does a snake have? Scales. And you know what Satan does there? He deceives and he mocks God and he tries to, tries to weaken the people. Here, Goliath is like a giant version of this snake trying to mock God and, and lose the heart of the people. No one was found worthy until David shows up and Jesus shows up. But the truth is, you and I in the story, if we're totally honest, you're not like David and I'm not like David. I certainly hope you're not Goliath. If you are, come see me afterwards and we'll talk. But really, for most of us, we're like the Israeli army. We're scared. We're scared because we don't know what to do. I don't know if I can trust Jesus or not with my life. I don't know if he really exists. I don't know if he'll really answer my prayer. I don't know if if when I go to the doctor this week what they're going to say. I don't know if I'm going to get laid off this week at work. I don't know where my next paycheck's going to come from. We're scared. That's understandable. We're scared and well because we realize we can't fight this battle on our own and win. 
you can't fight the battle on your own and win. You, you know that because you've tried it and you failed. So I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. You've tried to fight the battles of life. You've tried to fight the battle of sin on your own and discouragement on your own. And you've lost every time. How do I know? Because I've done it too. So in other words, we're just like the army because we need someone else, someone greater, someone better than us who can come in and fight the battle that we can't fight and win the battle that we could never win. And that person is Jesus. He shows up and fights the battle for you, and he wins that battle every single time. The greatest battle that you would ever face is sin. The greatest battle you'd ever face is death or being separated from God forever. And guess what? Jesus already won both of those. You'll never face anything greater than sin and separation from God. Jesus fought it and he won. Here's the really cool thing that I'd never quite got. And I was listening to another pastor that I respect kind of talk about this and he brought some of this out which I thought was so good and and he said this, which is amazing. His name's Tim Keller. He said this. Isn't it interesting that David, oh, the whole army did nothing to fight this battle. I mean, they had a chance. They had 40 days. They did nothing to fight this battle. Yet David comes, and in 60 seconds, the whole thing's over. He knocks Goliath down with the slingshot, cuts his head off. It's over. And yet, notice what it said, that the whole army shouted and cheered and celebrated. I mean, in other words, one person's victory was transferred onto everybody else on the battlefield. And other, even though they didn't fight, Jesus' victory on the cross and resurrection from the grave is transferred to you and to me. Even though you didn't die on the cross and come back from the dead, to God, it's as if you did. God transfers all the goodness of Jesus onto you. And so that's what it means And if you hear Christians say the righteousness of Christ, which is a big word. But that's what it means when God sees you. Yes, he sees you, but he also sees all the good stuff that Jesus did because now it's on you. It's as if you fought the battle and you won. Jesus' victory is transferred to us. David risked his life for his fellow countrymen, but Jesus gave his life for all of us. Today, if you're here, we want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. We're not telling you you're going to join our church or find religion. All that's fine. We're talking about a relationship like David had. Maybe you've got the giants in your life and you've been trying to fight them and you can't make it. I want to give you an opportunity to give someone in your life who can fight the giants. Not can, they already have and they've already won. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are, for your love for us. God, we thank you for the true story of David and Goliath. The lessons that it teaches us. Practical, physical lessons, spiritual lessons, and most importantly, the Jesus lesson. That we see you here clearly in 1 Samuel 17 in the Old Testament. Father, I pray for those of us that are struggling right now to fight giants, struggling with our faith, that they would hear not my words, but they would see what happened in 1 Samuel 17 and be encouraged. Today, as we're all just praying right now, if you're here and you would like to give your life to Jesus, all that we ask you to do is simply raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. 
You don't have to come to the front, but right where you're at, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you would just raise your hand, I'd love to pray with you. Everybody else, we're just praying. We thank you. We see that. Anybody else? See that? Thank you. See that one? Thank you. Anyone else? We're all just praying. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. See that? Man, let's say this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on the cross and rose again for me. I love you. Forgive me of my sin. From today on, I give my life to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just celebrate those that raised their hand this morning. It's so good. Well, we are so glad that you joined us for this episode of the Pathway Church Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. And if you would like to connect with Pathway Church, text CONNECT to 400-405-0339 today. And one of our staff members will be in touch with you as soon as possible. We can't wait to see what God is doing in your life. We hope that you know God, find family, and make a difference. Have a great week.